Greetings, listeners, if any, and welcome to DM Dad, the podcast about running D&D and other RPGs for kids. A great way to spend time with your family now that your friends are too old and have all moved away. So today we're going to talk about race as class. You know what I'm talking about in uh, BX D&D and I believe Beck me as well. You can't play an elf fighter or an elf magic user. You play an elf. You can't play a dwarf cleric. You play a dwarf, you know. The the demi-human races are treated as their own classes and they're, you know, described in terms of the shall we say human classes because they have similar abilities a dwarf is in effect a type of fighter but you don't play a dwarf fighter and you certainly can't play a dwarf cleric or a dwarf magic user uh, a halfling is basically a thief some people love this and some people hate this um and that's what we're going to talk about today so I uh I belong to a, a lot of Facebook groups um probably way too many I uh, I belong to an OD&D Facebook group I belong to Swords and Wizardry Swords and Wizardry Legion I belong to a, a Facebook group that is focused on Holmes Basic, a Facebook group that is focused on BX, um, and in the BX group recently, somebody asked about races class, and this is this has also been on my mind because. I phoned into the Red Dice Diaries. Um, he had been talking about BX Essentials. And basically, OD&D is my favorite version of my favorite edition of, of D&D. And BX is my second favorite. Um, and then, you know, fifth edition kind of ranks as, as third, kind of bringing up the rear in my top three. Um, I have a lot of warm feelings for BX. Um, I think it's a great version of the game. I think it's a great midpoint between the super stripped down, easy to run white box, which I feel like is the DM's game. You know, it's like there's hardly anything in there. So it's all down to you and what you put into it. And if you think about Pathfinder as like the player's game, because what is Pathfinder? It's just book after book of player options, which then the DM has to get their head around because your players are going to be throwing it at you. And I feel like BX is a nice midpoint in that it, you know, it's not as stripped down as white box. There's more for the players to do and consider but it's still nowhere near as crunchy or complex as something like Pathfinder or even AD&D. And if I can't convince people to play White Box, you know, I'll, I'll maybe try to get them to play Greyhawk, like Swords and Wizardry Core. And then eventually kind of we'll say, well, let's try BX then. We'll try either BX or one of the BX clones. 
So, um, so I'm very interested in all the BX clone systems. And uh, I phoned into Red Dice Diaries and I said, well, how, how, does Red, how does BX Essentials compare to, say, the basic fantasy role-playing game, which is, you know, totally free and emulates BX to a certain extent? And he, you know, he, he did a whole podcast on that, which is great. Um, one of the things that struck me was um, it's something that I kind of taken for granted in basic fantasy that it broke out racist class. You, it, basic fantasy doesn't use racist class and BX Essentials does because in a way it's not really so much a retro clone as it is just a restatement of the, of the BX rule set with the basic and expert material combined together so that you don't have two completely separate rule sets, one for levels one to three and one for four to 14. Um, so it, it got me thinking about racist class and I was like, yeah, you know, to be honest, I like racist class. And I think I would actually be pretty keen if, when it came down to it, to play a system that kept racist class. Um, and I kind of thought that I was in a minority for that, but it turns out I may not be. So first, a little history. In the original Three Little Brown booklets, uh, there wasn't really racist class. It was just that the non-human races had some severe restrictions placed upon them. Dwarves could only be fighters halflings could only be fighters because there wasn't a thief class yet elves could act as either fighters or magic users but not at the same time in some ways the rule was very clear about that like it did make it clear that you couldn't go down into the dungeon with your armor and your sword and your shield and cast spells it said that you could have magical armor and still cast spells but you don't start the game with magical armor um but on the other hand yeah it, could, it was also a little bit vague um it says that you can't switch class on the same adventure what does that mean um <clears throat> at my table we interpret that to mean on the same delve on the same trip to the dungeon or adventure area so you, you before you set out you choose whether you're going to be acting as a fighter or a magic user and you don't get to switch back until you get back to town it's like the idea is like wherever you're staying you left your other gear there either your weapons and your armor or your spell book and you have to go back and get it so if you spend the night if you spike the door shut in a in a relatively safe room in the dungeon and spend the night you don't get to wake up in the morning and decide oh i'm going to switch class today but that's my that's my interpretation of it the rules are a little bit vague on that but nonetheless the original design intention was probably not to make the 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 demi human races function as a as a class unto themselves it was really just that gary gygax wanted a human-centric world a world that looked a lot like you know conan's hyperborea or uh or even jack vance's dying earth where you know all this all the visible civilization was human and he thought well you know the way dwarves are they're probably not very good at magic so they can't be magic users and 
I thought elves are probably, they can probably do either, but probably splitting them out and not letting them act as both at the same time is probably more of a game balance issue really than a, a, you know, how elves are meant to, to be what elf society is like. Halflings, he's like, well, I can't imagine halflings um, casting spells. And and for some reason, clerics were reserved for humans, possibly because there's a religious aspect and maybe he didn't want to think about elf gods and dwarf gods and halfling gods. So, so that was restricted to humans. And the level restrictions... Um, Dwarves can only go up to level six as a fighter. Halflings can only go up to level four as a fighter. That's probably to make sure that you don't have a, a very strong halfling fighter because it's a halfling. How good a fighter can they be? Um, elves, he must have thought elves of, as physically weak because he restricted them to level four as a fighter and level eight as a magic user. Now, they can get pretty high as a magic user. Level eight is is up there. But... He none of those demi humans can reach the level where you're allowed to build a stronghold, and that too is part of the world building that Gary tried to encode in the original rules. He didn't ever want somebody to pass by a stronghold, a a temple, a wizard's tower, whatever, find out like say, oh, who lives there, and have it be a dwarf or an elf or a halfling. You know, if there was a a stronghold that you could visit, it better be a human who runs it. Because that was the world he wanted to create. And it's pretty clear from the original rules that Gary thought the game mechanics and the world building had to be covered by the same rule set. You know, we now think of setting as divorced from the rule set. You can play D&D in the Forgotten Realms. You can play D&D in Greyhawk. You can play D&D in Dark Sun. You can play D&D in Eberron. You can play D&D in Spelljammer. You know, these settings are all distinct from each other. But they all still use D&D. But that, that clearly wasn't Gary's original idea behind it, was that... His original idea seemed to be that the game rules are also rules for world building and everybody playing D&D is technically playing in the same world and therefore you have to have the rules of how that world functions as well as how the characters and monsters function. So where do we start getting race as class? So the first person to start defining race as class uh, is J. Eric Holmes in what we now call Holmes Basic D&D. For those who don't know, J. Eric Holmes was a professor of neurology and a uh, sci-fi and fantasy author in his own right. And he had a small son, 10 years old, I believe, um, and his son had a copy of the original D&D. And I mean, I love the Three Little Brown booklets. I love the absolute original version of D&D. I've read those three, especially the three first booklets. I've read all the supplements, but especially the three first, sub, first booklets more times than I can remember. And there are still paragraphs that I just, what does he actually mean here? Like, I think Gary Gygax was not a great writer. He was a 
brilliant game designer and a brilliant adventure designer. He's not a great writer, especially back then. And to be fair, the original three booklets were kind of a rush job. And there's a story that Gary Gygax thought the printer was going to correct some of the language. <laughs> As somebody who works in publishing, I can tell you that's BS. If the, if the printer told him that, he lied. That's not what printers do. As a matter of fact, it is essential that printers don't correct text because they might not understand it and they might correct it wrongly. They might be fixing something that was correct. Um, when I was studying medieval literature at university, one of the constant frustrations are all the scribes whose helpful corrections have made certain texts very difficult to understand because the scribes thought, oh, that seems wrong. I'll just fix that. And it wasn't wrong. And they fixed it and made it, they made it wrong. So printers don't do that. They can't do that. It is their job to print what you tell them to print. So if the printer really told him that they would do that, then they lied. But I think it's much more likely that he just misunderstood. So warts and all, the three little brown booklets, went to print. And they are difficult to understand, which is partly what makes it such a great game because... There's not a lot of rules in there to begin with, and the rules that are in there are sometimes vague and difficult to understand, which means that if you're the referee, you have to figure it out for yourself, and everybody makes their own kind of unique version of the game. But Eric Holmes' son was puzzling this game out, struggling to understand it, and he's like, Dad, can you help me? And he's like, sure, and then he realized that it was, it was difficult for him to understand as well. So he contacted TSR and offered to edit it and put it into a more logical and easy to understand order. And TSR were already bracing to kind of discontinue original Dungeons and Dragons and focus their attention on, on advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So they certainly weren't wanting to devote any in-house hours to editing um, original Dungeons and Dragons. And they didn't have a lot of in-house hours to spend anyway. It was still a very small company. So they're like, yeah, yeah, sure you can. And that became eventually Holmes Basic. And what, what Eric Holmes clearly must have, the conclusion he must have reached was, if a dwarf can only be a fighter, then a dwarf is de facto a type of fighter. If a halfling, if a, if a halfling can only be a fighter, then a halfling is kind of a fighter too. The elf's a, a bit of a special case, and this whole idea about the elf can do both at the same time, can be both a fighter and a magic user at the same time, but progresses much more slowly than everybody else. That's the first time you get that mention. You say an elf acts as both a fighter and a magic user at the same time, but as a result, they progress slower than all the other classes. And that's why in BX, an elf needs 5,000 experience points to reach level 2, when the magic user only needs 2,500, and the fighter only needs 2,000. So that's the, that's the start of that. And because Moldve Basic was meant to be an update of Holmes Basic... 
they just took that tradition and carried it forward. So that is how we go from great restrictions placed on demi-humans to race as class. So for a while, I've been laboring under the impression that most people are vaguely dissatisfied, if not openly hostile towards the idea of a race as a class, of the fact that you can't play an elf fighter, an elf magic user, an elf cleric, an elf thief, you know, the way that you can in AD&D. I think that's because for a long time, well, obviously, modern D&D um, is, is really derived more from AD&D than from the basic family. And uh, for a long time, I think I've moved more in AD&D circles. And yeah, people who love AD&D and don't like the basic family of D&D um, are probably pretty hostile about that. Um, but yeah, so somebody posted in one of the Facebook groups, the BX Facebook group that I follow about how do people feel about racist class? Do you, do you run BX and, you know, house rule that away or do you, do you keep it? And I put for, for my two cents, I put in that I quite like it actually. And there's there's a very specific reason why I like it, and that is I don't think elf society and dwarf society and halfling society and so on should be mirrors of human society. If we think about, you know, your class is kind of like your profession, why would elves have the same professions that we have? Why would they even have the same concept of profession? They're, an, an elf, like if you went to an elf city or a dwarf city, it wouldn't work like a human city. It wouldn't be just like a human city except in a mountain with dwarves in it. It should be inherently other or alien. You know, it should be special. And treating race as its own class is one way to, to encapsulate that otherness in the game. That... An elf isn't really a fighter or a magic user, but all elves are a little bit magic. But it's not like their job, you know, it's not something that, oh yeah, well, I've been studying magic. I mean, an elf probably wouldn't study magic the way a human studied magic. It's, you know, they, they have to function somewhat differently. So, I mean, I said, you know, I like racist class. I, la I keep it. Um, if I weren't going to use it, I would... I would rather homebrew a bunch of unique classes that each race had access to that humans didn't. But, you know, I don't have time to homebrew that kind of stuff. I think that's a good idea. You know, if you don't like racist class, then think of how you think dwarf society works and what are the classes that dwarves would have? What are the classes that elves would have? You know, I think yeah, with halflings, it could be a bit hard depending on what you think halflings are actually like. If they're like hobbits, your classes are like gardener, innkeeper, miller, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to play that. Um, but that's, that's the main reason that I like um, racist class. And I, something I didn't point out, but that other people who left comments pointed out that I, I agree with is that if you, if you allow any race class combination, then race is not 
is nothing more than just a buff. You know, you're you're playing a magic user, but you have a little buff that you have like some dark vision or something like that, you know. Or, you know, resistance to sleep and charm or something like that. Then in, instead of, you know, like instead of playing an elf, you're playing a set of game statistics. So that's kind of why why I uh I like races class. And OD&D doesn't frame it like that. So instead of using races class in OD&D, I just keep the 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 racing class restrictions. Um when I use a paladin, I always say that's only for humans because basically a paladin is a holy warrior, and historically, a paladin is a very specific type of holy warrior. It's a you know a Christian warrior from the High Middle Ages. Um, it's it feels to me like a very human thing to do. I don't imagine that elves have like paladins of their gods. As a matter of fact, it's not even every human god that I would think would have paladins. I think you know it would have to be a a a very Christian-esque God. It's a very, you know, historically paladins were Christian. So, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of comportment you would have. I feel like you don't have paladins of just every God and every culture. It's a very specific thing. Um, and, and I do those things not to punish players or to stop them choosing options, but because I want the, the things in the world to seem somewhat mysterious and different. If everything is just a mirror of everything else, you know, if, if elf society is just like human society, then what's the point of having elves in the first place? Surely they must be inherently different. And, and visiting them must be a kind of a, a transforming experience to see how different their culture and society works. So that's why I like it. Anyways, I left my little comment, and then, you know, Facebook is very good about telling you how anybody else left a comment on something you left a comment on, and there's like, there's a, there's a whole list of comments, and the vast majority of them are uh, pretty much echoing the same things that I was saying, that basically a lot of us are really big fans of racist class, and for basically those reasons, that they make the races seem different, unique, special, other. And that keeping that kind of magical otherness is important and desirable. And, you know, more than one person has pointed out that when you allow any race and class combination that, yeah, you're just, it's basically a race is just a buff, a series of buffs. And, you know, that's, that's fine, but that's kind of like min-maxing, you know, so... Anyways, yeah, like it's it doesn't come up a lot because I mainly run either fifth edition or um o d and d which as I said, it frames the 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 way races and classes work slightly differently, but if I were running b x I think I would stick to that and i and I wonder if if I ever run basic fantasy because I have basic fantasy and I would like to run it, I wonder if I would maybe house rule that back actually instead of instead of keeping it split. Or maybe I should just buy BX Essentials. Um, anyways, this was just a, a little thing on Facebook that has been happening over the weekend. And it just got me thinking about how, yeah, actually, when all is said and done, I really like races class. I like keeping the demi-human races 
separate from humans and unique and special. I, I keeping them mysterious, you know, I think is a good thing. Um, and yeah, and I think that these options shouldn't just be a series of numbers that affect game systems. They should have some kind of, um, I don't want to say story because I'm actually getting away from talking about story. I feel like story plays into modern D and D where, you know, your, your PCs are protagonists that you have to keep alive at all costs, but you are building a world that you're going to suspend your disbelief and just pretend is real for the duration of the game. And I feel like keeping the demi humans special and unique helps create that world. So yeah, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts for those of you who like BX and, and Beck me and the other basic family of D and D do you like races class? I know some people definitely don't. It's probably with this Facebook post. It's probably just been all the, all the people who, who feel the same way that I do, like we're, we're kind of called out by this, this post and like, yeah, yeah, we really like this actually. Um, and I'm sure like a lot of AD and D fans would be like, no, 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 it's terrible. Why can't I play whatever I want? But yeah, so what, uh, what do you guys like? Do you like races class? Do you think it's silly? Do you think it makes the game less fun or do you think it helps preserve that magicalness that you that you really want from the demi-humans. Until next time, play well and let the dice roll where they may.